This is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. I think this is a really good transition, actually, because we wanted to ask you about both the vibe in the building, kind of on the way, you know, with the Packers going to London, but what you've heard from fans, because I think now fans are starting to get excited about it, but before when it was announced that the Packers are finally going to travel to London, there was a lot of hesitancy to say, like, hey, we don't want to give up a home game. What's going to happen to the Green Bay market? It's so important to Lambeau Field to have games here. So having the 17th game now on the schedule, you know, have you noticed like a tone shift from the fan base? Is there excitement or is the excitement still kind of in 1265 and the actual, you know, Green Bay area is not not that thrilled for it? You know what's so funny is I wouldn't even say the excitement is in 1265 because Matt LaFleur certainly doesn't he does seem, not excited. seem excited. <laughs> not at all. Been sassy Maddie all week. Um, <laughs> and I think the players are, are a little excited, but they also know that like there's still a game. They're staying 45 minutes north of London. They're practicing 45 minutes north of London. So like <laughs> I think I like disappointed one of them today. Um like Bobby Tunney was talking about how he he sent his mom and aunt early or her, her cousin, like he sent them early and gave them like a week in London. And he's like, yes, yeah, so, you know, I'll go in and, and, and walk around with them. And I was like, you, you realize you're staying 45 minutes North of the city. He's like, are you serious? They didn't realize they were that far North. Um, and so I think the players like kind of think it's cool, but a lot of them, have been there with other teams, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like Russell Douglas went with Philadelphia, like Preston went with Washington, like a lot of them are, you know, Keyshawn Nixon went with the Raiders. So a lot of them have been because the Packers are the very last team to not play in this game. And which kind of blows my mind. They've been able to like kick the can down the road and say no for 10 years. And after 10 years, the NFL just put their foot down in there. Like, You're playing a game in London, like whether you want to or not. And so because of that, like, I understand like kind of what you were saying, Maggie, about like, you know, there's a little bit of disappointment of like it takes a home game away from Lamb home game away from Lambeau. It's so important to the Green Bay market, which I get, but 31 other teams are going, well, we've been doing this for 10 right. years. Yeah. We've lost a home game for 10 years. Or an or an away game, because it usually shifts. Like the Jags, for example, they were the first team to do it. So it shifts every year to whether it counts as a home game or an away game from them. Um, and so that's just for everyone else, that's just part of the schedule now. And so I think the Packers are going to have to get used to it or that they want to or not, because the international series is a huge part. And it's why it's one of the reasons they wanted to add a 17th game just to kind of give that game back to teams as well. Um, I think it's cool because the Packers have the biggest international fan base of any of the team. So it makes sense that they're the team that, that needs to be over in London or maybe in Germany next year to kind of be playing this international game because it gives a lot of these fans a chance to see the team that they were never going to get to see. And if the NFL wants to continue to grow their brand, which it seems like they do, then these games in London are going to stay on the calendar. Um, you know, as to whether or not the, the players get excited about it, we'll continue to see. It was weird walking into the locker room today because it felt like the last day of school when everybody's like cleaning <laughs> out their desk because they had bags all down the middle of the locker room and the players were just like throwing stuff in, like as they found it out of their locker and um, I, th- I think they were starting to get a little excited. You can't help but when you're about to get on a plane and you know you're going overseas. Um, Romeo Dobbs was telling me, he's like, it just is crazy. Like, I can't wrap my mind around the fact that I'm going to London to play a football game. And he's like, but, you know, it's kind of cool. Um, and I was like, well, are you going to do anything? And he's like, I'll probably just stay in the hotel room. <laughs> and Dean Lowry was like, no, we'll get, we'll get Romeo into London. Don't worry. We'll get him down there. So. 
I think some of them are excited. Some of them are wanting to just kind of like get over there and play the game. And, you know, they're like, I'll go back in the off season, but it's, it was a little bit more excited in the locker room today than it had been. I love hearing that. Yeah. I can see it going either way. Right. I can definitely see players being like, well, we know that this is going to be a challenge, right? This adds an extra challenge to preparation. Like you've heard it from Matt. You have two opponents, the Giants and the jet lag. Exactly. Right. So, but I can also see like some guys who have never been there before, or like you said, get to be in front of the fans, which is something I've been thinking about all week as well. You said it right. There are so many international fans. Maggie and I have interacted with UK Packers fans. Um, we know like BBC covers the NFL, like, like really, like, yeah, like they BBC Sport like covers the NFL. They cover the championship game. They cover every, all of it. Um, and so I'm almost also excited to see like, is it going to feel like a Packers home game because right. Packers fans travel so well, and there are so many of them over there. I mean, I've seen on Twitter for weeks how excited everybody is mm-hmm. to to make their way there. So it could also end up being a really fun experience because it's not Lambo. It's not a home game, but they might get that home game vibe being so far yeah. away from home. So I'm wondering if that'll give them some juice, but have That's to see. That's a great point. Cause usually when you watch these international games, it's like all the fans are just in jerseys from all 32 teams. Mm-hmm. And they're just like Preston made that smart comment today. He's like, they just cheer the whole time. Cause they, they don't have a team to cheer for. And some of them don't know necessarily what the is going on. So for. they just yeah. cheer the whole time. Yeah. Um, but he was, but that's a great point. I mean, with so many Packers fans, that could easily be skewed towards Packers fans at that game. So that'll be interesting to, to watch out for. I couldn't believe when I saw the stat that said that, you know, I mean, they're three and one teams. It's not like, you know, we've been through the bulk of the season yet, but that this is the first time two winning teams have played in London. Yeah. Like when you think about how many games have been played in London, to think about the, the quality of the games that maybe London fans have mm-hmm. seen for them to finally get, you know, something that's really competitive, even though it's in the first quarter of the season, I think is also really exciting for them. A good game. A good yeah. game. Yeah. Preston Smith made the comment, and I had forgot that he would have played in this game that he played in the tie game in London Mm -hmm. when it was, I I think it was against the Vikings. Was it Washington versus Minnesota? And it ended in a tie. Of course for, I mean, for British soccer fans, a tie is like normal. Right. So that's, they're not going for a tie though on Sunday. They almost had that this past week. They want to see a win for sure. As do we, we want to see a win as well. So speaking of wins, um, how do we think, the Packers come away with this. I think aside from the whole making sure your prep is good this week, like battling the mm-hmm. jet lag, all, all of that aside, like just looking at this Giants matchup, mm-hmm. I think the thing that everyone, you know, stands out to everyone at this point is like, well, you got to stop Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. That 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 right now is like number one A. Um, he's leading the league, I think, right right now in in mm-hmm. rushing yards. He's also like, if you look at the list of top five. He's number four just simply with his yards after contact. So tackling is going to be a big, a big one here. But um, like aside, you know, Saquon and also what else is the formula, right? Luckily, tackling and containing hasn't been an issue for this defense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think they're in like the bottom third in their rushing defense. And then Saquon, like you said, leads the league. I think he has like, what, like 438 yards. As, as like a buck 10 a, a game, basically. And then um, because of that, their team overall leads the league in team rushing. 
and that's because they could use Daniel Jones in that sense as well. So, I, I mean, if Daniel Jones doesn't play and then Tyra Taylor probably doesn't play, then you've got Davis Webb, who is, you're looking at second straight week with a third-string quarterback, but that kind of bit him in the butt last week. Um, and so that'll be interesting just to figure out what to prepare for under center. But it all starts and stops with Saquon right now. And the only thing that, like, makes me think might work in their favor is that in the past when they've known, like, when they've known everything is going to go through that running back, they've been able to shut that down. It's when it's balanced that it's bitten them so far over the past, like, you know, this year and a little bit into last season as well. But, I mean, you think about the second Minnesota game last year where Dalvin Cook had, what, like 12 yards? Now, granted, that was because Sean Manning was quarterback and not Kirk Cousins to run the RPO, so that's a little bit different, but still – and then this year with Leonard Fournette versus Tampa, they knew it was going to go through Fournette because there was, you know, no receivers out there. And they put Cole Beasley into retirement after that game. <laughs> and so he ended with, what, 35 yards? And, and he was the only person rushing the ball. And so when they've, when they've known it's going through one guy, they've been able to swarm and to stop him. However, my colleague Ryan Wood made a great point when we were recording our podcast earlier today. He was like, Tampa Bay – running their entire offense through Leonard Fournette was an anomaly. That was one game where they had to do that. The Giants run their offense through Saquon Barkley every week. They know how to let the off they know how to let the run game run their offense. Mm-hmm. And so it's a little bit tougher to prepare for that when the team has so many tricks up their sleeve and when Saquon Barkley is so, so powerful. Russell Douglas was saying this week, he was like, you know, we all look and look at Saquon and like look at his quads and see how powerful he is. And you think that makes him a pure power back. And Rasul Douglas said, he's essentially AJ Dillon with speed. And I said, so you, so like combining Dillon and Jones. And he was like, yeah, but with more speed and then even more speed, he's so fast. And, and that's deceptive when you look at a guy like that and you think it's going to be pure between the tackles in the trenches, three yards in a cloud of dust. Just don't let him get four. If he's that fast, that means he can hit the edge as well. And we've seen him. We've seen him be that fast, but we forget because he's been injured. And so, you know, he's it's like he's kind of coming back on and reminding everybody what he can do. Um, and I think it was Preston Smith who said, you know, I've, I used to have to play him when I was in Washington. Mm-hmm. And it's so, so tough to bring him down. You can't do it with one guy. And so, I mean, they're – as cliche as it sounds, it's going to be all hats to the ball every time he touches it. And you're just going to have to swarm him. And you're going to have to, you're going to have to, have to, have to set the edges and contain because that's been where um, Stevenson hurt him. It's been where Harris hurt him. I mean, it's, it's been where quarterbacks that can get out on a, on a boot can hurt him. And if Daniel Jones is playing, that's going to be what he does. That's his game. And so you've got to set those edges. I know that they've been able to get home with four, maybe would keep, like Smith back just to be safe, bring Campbell and Quay up even more, keep Adrian Amos in the box where he's so, so dynamic. If you can, as much as possible, go one high the entire game just to keep, keep eight men down because you're going to have to put everything you have on Saquon Barkley to, to even have a chance on defense. And then on offense, I think they sh- this should be a little bit more skewed towards the Packers on offense. I mean, I know Brian Dable has the Giants like looking much better defensively, but like you can if you can keep it balanced the way you have in the past couple of weeks, running Jones, running Dylan, 
and then hitting, you know, Dobbs and Lazard and Cobb kind of over the middle. Love the jet sweeps they're doing with Christian Watson. Want to see at least one of those a game. Um, He's so, so fast. And so if they can kind of keep it balanced with this RPO offense that they have been running, um, they should, they should be fine. They should be able to stay in it score wise. As long as if, if they can get ahead, which is almost why if you win the toss, I would almost take it. If they can get ahead and force the Giants to play from behind, then they're not as dependent on Saquon Barkley. And then you can really kind of get after them a lot yeah. more. Yeah. We've been saying, I mean, I think we've been saying for the last like two seasons, like when you win the toss, they always defer. And I mm-hmm. wish that they would get the ball because this team mm-hmm. plays so differently when they're ahead versus mm-hmm. when they're behind. Right. That's a um, great point. I'm like, I, I understand. Or go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I mean, I love what you said on defense. I think we talked last week about, you know, losing Amos that early in the game, if that hurt them, especially in the run in run defense, because he does play so well in the box and he is such a good mm-hmm. run defender. There's always, you know, we'll never know. Um, mm-hmm. but I completely agree. I would love to see Joe do all the things you said. Now, will he? is the question um will it take you know will it take you know first drive defense saquon barkley touchdown to to make those adjustments we'll find out but there is a very clear blueprint here yeah and you know matt lafleur made the comment monday that um he had mentioned to joe barry like you know i know we like to stay in a too high shell we might have to come out of it more than we we have been um, which I thought was interesting. And I, I tried to follow up on him with it. And I was like, can you expand on that? And he's like, did you not follow me? And I wanted to be like, I know what a two high shell is, Matt. I want to know if you overruled your defensive coordinator. Um, <laughs> but he was like, you know, and he did go on to give a great answer and said that he and Barry just kind of talked about like, as much as we want this to be our base with a two high, like there's going to be times we have to drop out of it. And, mm-hmm. and, and if that means keeping Amos in the box as much as he, doesn't like being there the whole game, then that's that's going to be what you're going to have to do. They're probably going to have to do that Sunday. If Matt LaFleur is having those conversations with Joe Barry, I do think we see more of a change in the next couple of games here because those are conversations he's kind of left to his defensive staff in the past. So if yeah. he's inserting himself in there, Matt LaFleur was working with the DBs all during practice day that was open to the media. Um, usually we see him over with the – it's not like – totally unheard of to see him on the defensive side of the practice field. Um, but it it's it happens less often than not. And he was kind of running the defensive back drills. And so, you know, maybe he's kind of stepping into that side more and, and, and making some demands as the head coach. So I'd be interested to see how they come out on the first drive on Sunday. Because that first drive is what gets them. It's understandable. Those are the scripted plays for the offense defenses are always going to get bid on that first drive, but can you keep them out of the end zone? Cause that's been where it's been hurting them, you know, keeping either giving up a touchdown or letting them get close enough to kick a field goal. If you can keep them deeper than 40, I think that that'll be a success on the first drive. So we'll, we'll I'll be interested to see how they line up on that first drive on Sunday. 2400 sports is an odyssey company. 